we remain standing this morning to honor the gospel of Jesus. It comes to us from Matthew chapter 14. Jesus has just received notice that his dear friend, his cousin, the forerunner to his ministry, John, called John the Baptist, has not only been assassinated by the establishment, but uh, brutally and savagely his body was uh, defaced. In this light, in the light of all that sadness and despair, we read this text. Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowd heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, Jesus saw a great crowd. And Jesus had compassion for them and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to Jesus and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now late. Send the crowd away, so that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They replied, We have nothing here but five loaves and two fishes. Jesus said, Bring them here to me. Then Jesus ordered the crowd to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, Jesus looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the bread and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds and all ate and were filled. And they took up what was left over in the broken pieces, 12 baskets. And those who ate were about 5,000 men, besides women and children. May we hear within this text the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Be seated, please. Let's pray together, please. Amidst all the many words, O God, may one word shine through. May one word ring deep in our souls. The word that is you, resonating deep within, reminding us of who we are and whose we are, of what is important in life. So, Lord, take this time, whether we listen to the sermon or whether we daydream, And let us listen for your voice in your holy name. Amen. This has got to be one of the more impressive miracles. To take five loaves and two fish, what the disciples described from their scarcity-driven inventory as the limits of their capacity. Five loaves, two fishes, and all 5,000 men and were filled. Oh yeah, Matthew says not just 5,000 men, but also the women and children. Sorry, women and children. You didn't count back then, really. The disciples were too dumb or too uninformed to realize that you count. So maybe 10,000, maybe 15,000 people ate and were full. 
And then for good show, 12 baskets full of pieces of bread and fish, one for each disciple. Ta-da! It's a cool miracle. You can just imagine that original five loaves and two fish just kind of reproducing, kind of cloning and multiplying. Because sometimes that's the only way things work is God has to step in and do that which we cannot do for ourselves. There are times in life when we need a miracle that only God, who is within us and around us, can evoke beyond our capacities. The problem is that a lot of preachers and politicians act like this kind of miracle, this mysterious out-of-our-league kind of miracle, is the only miracle that God can do. So, for example, feeding the 5,000, Jesus did a God miracle that required God, who's beyond us, to intervene in the situation. The solution was beyond our realm of experience or understanding or our capacity. It was out of our hands. So we become dependent on God. There are times when this is utterly the case, when this is profoundly the way it is, we depend utterly on God. But what if this miracle of abundance is about a miracle that comes by way of a different source than Jesus and his sort of magically feeding 15,000 people with five loaves and two fishes. Not that that's impossible for Jesus. But is that the way the holy always works? The miracle of the feeding, as you read it from the Gospel of Matthew, looks like a miracle of abundance that comes by way of the blessed People like you and me, those who have it, are invited to share it. And what Jesus does in this miracle is by taking the bread and blessing it and breaking it, he reveals the sacred that's in the midst of them and allows them to see what is always true, that we can move from fear and scarcity into this world of abundance, that there's more than we realize, and that we have more than we realize. I want you to listen again to this reading from Matthew chapter 14. Taking the five loaves and two fishes, Jesus looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And all ate and were filled. And they took up what was left over of the broken pieces, 12 baskets full. And those who ate were about 5,000 men, not counting the women and children. Now, perhaps Jesus stood there like some divine Pez dispenser and just distributed bread out from his very being. And that's entirely possible. But perhaps in the blessing And the breaking of the bread. Jesus awoke in his disciples. And through the disciples, the whole crowd. This connection to God. To the gift of food and bread. To the gift of fish and life. And to the mystery of eating and community and 
abundance and harmony. And maybe they caught it in just that moment that we really are one, that we are our brother's keeper. So that suddenly we're sharing. And that where once was five loaves and two fishes, now there's all kinds of bread. There's unleavened bread, but there's sourdough bread, and there's wheat bread, and there's buttermilk biscuits, and somebody got fancy and bought a ciabatta bread, and and someone else brought fish, broiled fish, and pan-fried fish, and grilled fish, and someone else brought reaches into their basket and pulls out corn fritters, fried chicken with cream gravy and watermelon and green beans and iced tea and lots of Diet Coke. And there's just this abundance. It's an abundance. And it came. Not from Jesus. It came from the people. Jesus activated it. Jesus put it all into motion, but the food came from the people. There was an abundance. Sometimes the abundance is obvious. You you live a life that is so blessed, it's right where you want to be, and you give thanks. Sometimes there's times in 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 the life of our church where we just feel the abundance. As Tracy Holliday often says, we feast at the king's table. The community we share, the music we share, the love we share, the vision and the values that we have together. There's just this abundance, and it's obvious. But there are those times in every person's life when you lose sight of the abundance. And in fact, you find yourself suddenly on the path toward scarcity, that there's not enough. And I'm afraid. And I've got to pull back. Times when abundance feels unlikely or even untrue. In fact, I sometimes resent this talk about abundance. What I notice in those times for me is that abundance will show up not always in the most obvious ways, but sometimes by indirection. It sometimes comes at us sideways in ways we didn't expect from the least likely person and sometimes not always in the form that we might expect or even want or recognize. That's what happened for a woman that I've known for some time. She divorced about 12 years ago when her husband cheated on her. Kids were in high school. It was a terrible time for the family. Messed, messed up the family quite a bit. It was an ugly divorce, and the two didn't see each other much, didn't see each other much. They saw each other at the kids' graduations. They saw each other at weddings. Her ex had already remarried. He married the woman he'd had the affair with. She had a couple of really nice kids. <clears throat> now they have a baby together. But... The woman never got back to dating. She never remarried. So it's just her and her kids when they come to see her. And she understands it, but she gets hurt because when the kids come back to town, they tend to go to their father's house because there's a big family there and 
the baby and there's lots going on and it leaves her out. There's no place for her. There's no home. There's no family. There's certainly no sense of abundance. Then one of the kids got pregnant. It's going to be the first grandchild in the family. So, of course, they plan a big shower, and they decide to have the shower at the dad's house because it's bigger and more centrally located. But they want the mom to be involved, so they start emailing. The dad and mom start emailing each other, this former couple. What do you want to serve? What color do you want to decorate? What kind, who's going to get the napkins and the punch? And who's going to get the games together? And all those things you, important things you have to do when a baby's coming. She's emailing with her ex-husband, and the next thing you know, she's emailing with the ex-husband's new wife, the other woman. And they're planning a baby shower together and thinking thinking through all the details and all the logistics. And on the day of the shower, she shows up, and there's her ex-husband who opens the door and gives her a hug and welcomes her in. It It was awkward. But it was also nice. And it was really awkward when the new wife came and gave a big hug as well. And and that was awkward, but it was also kind of nice. And they had a good time. Then when the baby was born, they were all there together. And there were lots more hugs and congratulations. And when it was all over, they said, let's go get some dinner together. And they went out. And had dinner, the ex-husband and his new wife and the kids and the baby and the ex-wife. Now they get together on a regular basis. Anytime the baby's there, she's invited over. And they're a family together in a weird way. They might not use that word, but they care. And there's Enough room, enough space, enough positions and roles to play that everyone gets included. And it may not be the abundance that she envisioned, but it is an abundance and it is life. Sometimes you just have to look for it and recognize it. And name it and give thanks for it and be open to it. They don't need to go away, said Jesus. You give them something to eat. Here's why I know that there's abundance in this world. Because every human being has within herself or himself the capacity to give that which someone else in the world needs. Every person in this room has something to give that only you can give. A person you can touch that only you can touch. I I can't get to them, but you can. They don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. People are hungry in lots of ways. They're hungry for affirmation. They're hungry for purpose and they're hungry for inclusion. They're hungry for love. They're hungry for hope. 
They don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. You can't do it all. Highland can't do it all. We do what we can. We try to do the best we can with every opportunity we have. But we can't do it all. But we have more than what we realize. And if Jesus can break bread and give thanks for it and distribute it and 15,000 people are fed, what might God do with us in the breaking of the bread? Let's pray together. As we come to this table of abundance, may we see more clearly than ever that there is enough. So break us open and gift us with all the love and affirmation that we need as your children so that when the church doors open and we leave this place, we take to the world, the hungry world, all they need. Bread of heaven, fill us till we want no more. In your holy name we pray.